Hello, everyone. This is Peter Englert from the Why God Why podcast. We are here doing our series, The Best of 2020. One of our most downloaded and listened to episodes is by Mike Pitts, who is the executive pastor at Browncroft. He responded to the question, why should I consider changing my career path? So we hope you enjoy this and uh, they have a wonderful end of the year. Welcome to the Why God Why podcast brought to you by Browncroft Community Church. My name is Dylan Carnival, and I am the Browncroft staff and producer of the show. I'm joined today by our host, Peter Englert, the director of adult ministries at Browncroft, and John Amayo, the New York State crew director. Why God Why is a podcast where we ask 21st century questions about God that you never thought you could. Today, we got Mike Pitts. He's the executive pastor of Browncroft Community Church, and we're talking about why should I consider changing my career path? Thank you, Dylan. I I don't know if I should be excited or scared to interview my boss. Wow. Yeah. So this is a big deal. This is a big deal yeah. because I feel like I can ask him some really tough questions, but I also feel like that could come back to haunt me. Sure. So maybe I'll ask the tough questions. Is that is that kind of how how you want to work this today? Well, yeah. We'll we'll telepathically. I'll okay. give you a wink. Well, that's how we I, normally do it. Anyway, yeah. Exactly. So, anyway. Exactly. Yeah. So you know what I'm excited about this topic is. I feel like in our society, no matter what your age is, your job, your career, your calling, so to speak, is such a big deal. And I wonder how many people out there are wondering, should I stay in my job or change career paths? And I think Mike's story lends itself well as a good example to start asking questions in your own life. Yeah, definitely. I love Mike, love him a ton, uh, respect his journey. And, uh, you know, I've had this experience in my own life as well. So, you know, working for Wegmans, for those of you outside of the Northeast that don't, haven't experienced the glory of Wegmans, uh, let me just tell you, it's a beautiful sight to behold. So I, I, I worked there throughout college, management internship program, worked there five years after college in management, but um, just had this sense that I was being called outside of that. And uh, that journey was a big journey for me. That was a life-changing decision during that phase of my life to say, I'm going to move away from this into a different area. So um, I know Mike's been on that kind of a journey as well in his life, and uh, I'm excited to talk with him about it. Welcome, Mike Pitts, to the Why God Why podcast. Great to have you here. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. Yeah. So, Mike, we'll, we'll go into the details of your story um, but I want you to sit and think that you're talking to your 20 year old self. Hmm. Um, what would your 20 year old self be surprised with where you are and what would be some of the things that your 20 year old self would be like, oh yeah, that makes sense that you're doing. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I guess if I were talking to my 20 year old self, um, really at that point in my life, I was very driven on my career. Um, And the reason I was heading down a path, I believed, um, towards being a doctor, which is what I thought I wanted to do in my 20-year-old self, um, was because I was interested in the challenge. Um, I liked science. I liked what it was about. But it was really about challenging myself and doing something difficult. And I felt like that was in a naive view of career and job opportunities. In my view, there weren't a lot of them, doctor, lawyer, business person. Um, I felt like science and becoming a physician was something that I wanted to challenge myself with. So I was really focused on myself and I was really focused on what I could accomplish um, and really chasing after financial security, 
challenges. And I think I never would have considered um, being in ministry and being in full-time ministry. I grew up in the church, um, had a great experience um, in the church, um, became a follower of Jesus at a very young age. But ministry, from my perspective in the church, um, I was part of small churches, never part of a large church. Um, Ministry was all about the senior pastor was really the only one that was a professional um, minister. Everyone else was a volunteer, and it wasn't something that professionally um, I saw as an opportunity. So it wasn't anything that I considered um, way back then. I think my journey has taught me a lot of things about even the idea of my career. Um, And at this point in life, um, I can look back and I don't view it as my career. I view it as really what God has wanted to do through the work that I'm doing and getting paid for. So I've had a real big change in how I even use the words my career, because I do think at the early point of deciding what I wanted to do and what I wanted to get paid for, there was a very selfish um, perspective of my career. And um, that's changed for me over the course of the next 20 years, shall we say. Wow. Wow. I, I'm looking forward to going on this journey with you because this is a fun, this sounds like a fun journey already. So you wanted to be a doctor when you were 20. What kind of doctor were you like, this is what I want to do? Or did you know at that point? Well, hold on. We we have to yeah. talk about, he went to the U. The U. <laughs> yes. University that's, of Miami, that's, Hurricanes. Let's go. Anyways. I didn't go to the U. Oh, you did? <laughs> I did oh, not. I, I messed yeah. up. Your, my, my wife went to the U. Your wife? I went to another U, Taylor University, oh, which is another great institution, Christian the College. Taylor the University. Taylor University. University. Yes. Yeah. Um, Lot lot of great things about Taylor University. You see them on ESPN every year sure. because of their silent night event. Yeah. So great event. Check it out. Awesome school. Loved my time at Taylor. Yeah. So Yeah. So Taylor, you're at Taylor. You want to be a doctor. What kind of doctor do you want to be? I actually didn't know at that point. Okay. Um, I didn't know at all. It was pretty naive around what I wanted to do. Focused on medicine, like I said. Mm-hmm. Um, but really at the end of Taylor. Um, God didn't open up that door for me to go to medical school. So that was the first point in my life where I really faced, I think, a significant challenge on who I wanted to be and what I wanted to do professionally. Mm. Um, And that door just wasn't open for me. Um, I was a good student, worked really hard, but didn't get the opportunity to go to medical school. Um, So another opportunity presented itself. um, And I... Um, participated in a master's program um, for to get my biomedical degree. And really all that was about was trying to improve my resume, take medical school classes and show medical schools that I was capable of, you know, being a doctor and enrolling in medical school. So um, God closed one door and opened up another. And I took that opportunity and went down to Miami. I was at a school called Barry University uh, down in Miami um, and participated in a master's program in biomedical science, still on the path of wanting to be a physician at that time. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, so you said, well, that door's closed. I'm going to walk down this, this other one, biomedical sciences. I'm going to go in there. You got your master's in there. What's next? Then what happens? Yeah. So it was really actually during that program that I realized my passions and giftings didn't align with medicine. Um, More specifically from a clinical perspective, I didn't really love what I was doing in the program. There were aspects of it I 
I hated. Mm-hmm. Gross anatomy. Yeah. Not fun. <laughs> um, did not enjoy that. So there was in that program, I really made the decision that I didn't think um, medicine was the route that I wanted to go. I couldn't see myself doing research and sitting behind a computer. I really felt like I needed that personal interaction in the relationships, and I didn't see myself doing clinical medicine. So I knew um, really midway through that program that I didn't want to take the next step and apply to medical school. Um, so right wow. at that point, I was faced with really two degrees um, and not really a clear direction on what the what the next step might be. Jeez, that is that that had to be quite a confusing time to know. Oh, this isn't really what I want to do, but. You, you felt like probably you had to finish it out, right? Yeah, that, absolutely. Yeah. The program was about an 18-month program, so it was gotcha. really intense. It was a small program. And honestly, at that time, it was um, a time of questioning and saying, why am I here? Why am I doing this? Um, and that became very clear to me relatively quickly throughout the program because I met my wife down ah, there in the program. Yeah, yeah. So a small program of 40 students. Um, my wife and I started working together as lab partners. Um, and 21 years later, we're happily married with two kids. Wow. So looking back on that journey, it was less about what I was learning. It was less about the stepping stone to my career and more about future life partner. Yeah. So watch out who your lab partner is. That's all. <laughs> yeah. That says. yeah. Important. Important. So, you know, at what point did you make the shift into the, I mean, because again, I think it's important to follow the story because I talk with people in their careers and it's like a huge, I can imagine if we talked to you after you got done at Barry, like it would be this huge thing, but now it's like two sentences. But right. what was that season like as you transitioned from, you know, medical to business? You know, tell us how that all landed and took place. Right. I think what I can look back now um, as a wiser, Um, 40 plus year old looking back in my 20s, um, I've learned about how God guides and directs my career path um, or the work that he wants me to do for him. And really, I believe he's done it through people by putting people in my life that can speak um, wisdom to me, that know who I am um, and can help me discern what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, And he does it through opportunities. There were times when he opens doors And there's times when he closes doors. And I think one of the last ways he does it as well is passions and giftings. And really what I discovered at Barry and on the medical school journey was it didn't align with my passions and giftings. I felt like I was capable of doing it, but I wasn't passionate about it. So after um, making the decision not to pursue medicine, um, I was in a season of trying to figure out what I I wanted to do. And it was through um, new passions and what I felt was um, more aligned with my giftings that I decided to pursue a business degree. Um, Because what I had believed um, for a long time, and that really only changed um, when I came into ministry, was I'm a person that has to be really prepared. And for me, professionally, preparation was all about a degree. Mm. I just felt like no one's going to hire you without a degree. You have to know what you're doing. You need some real tangible skills. You need a piece of paper to um, take a step into a career. So for me, that led me to um, a business degree. Because I I knew at that point, I felt like I was being um, directed towards business. A lot of things I loved about it, um, but I felt I was unqualified. I felt like I didn't have the skill set. I didn't have the paper um, to be able to take that opportunity. So it was at that time that I made the decision to um, pursue my MBA. 
Um, and that led me back up here to Rochester um, at the Simon School of Business. I want to back up because you've mentioned a couple times your passions and your giftings. What are those? <laughs> well, I am super passionate about developing leaders. Um, and that's not something that I knew in my 20s. That's not something I really knew in my 30s. But um, I'm, a, I'm an organized person, a strategic thinker. Um, I love um, developing strategies to achieve mission and vision. Um, and that's some of the things that I just love so much about my role right now at Browncroft because I feel I'm part of the greatest mission um, on this world, the mission to invite people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus. And my passion is about how do we do that better? How do we do it the way God calls us to do it with excellence? So I love just embracing a vision and developing strategies. And then um, developing leaders, helping leaders identify who God's created them to be um, and how to help them maximize their potential um, and live out the leadership roles that God's calling them to. So those are where some of my passions have developed, but it's been out of the experiences and the opportunities that God's given me that I've been able to really discover those. Yeah, so can we walk back on that then? Then let's look at like those passions and those are beautiful passions that you have. Like how did those how did you first like discover those in your career? Like as you were in a career, like, oh my goodness, this actually, I feel like I'm living in the zone right now. Right. You know, I mean, I think for for a lot of us, we have those experiences where we're like, eh, this is a little bit out of my zone. But when you're in the zone, it just feels like everything is clicking. Did yeah. you have those moments where like, man, developing people, I just love this. I feel like I'm in the zone right now. I feel like one of the most clear ways that happened for me was in business school mm. um, because it was in business school that I had the opportunity to study a lot of different aspects of business from marketing and advertising to operations to finance. And I just remember a class and a time where I felt like this is what I was called to do. And it really re revolved around operations. Um, it was at that time that I felt, wow, this is how God's wired me. This is the type of, this is the way I think. Um, this is the way I process life. And this is the way that I'm passionate about structure and organization and operationally trying to improve things. And for me, that was when a light bulb went on. And it was at that point in business school that I felt like this is what I want to do. And this is where the direction that I want to go. Really, my passions around developing people came out of the opportunity to do it. So it wasn't until I was I was given the opportunity um, to have a team, to work with a group of people um, around specifically a new initiative and really come together to achieve those goals. That was really the early stages um, of learning about myself and my passions for developing people. Did you do that? So, I mean, now we need to rewind back. Did you do that in in the marketplace or was your first time doing that, you know, when you started working here at the church? I mean, fill us in some yep. of the gaps and stuff yep. like that. So out of business school, I actually got a job with um, Excellus Blue Cross Blue Shield insurance agent here in Rochester, insurance company here in Rochester. Um, at Excellus, I had the opportunity to take on a new initiative around continuous process improvement. Looking back on my story, that was just this amazing opportunity that God gave me to use this, this gift or this um, passion around operations to do something totally different for the organization. So I had the ability to be trained in a process improvement methodology called Lean Six Sigma. Um, it was the first time that that 
pro methodology was ever used at Excellus. So I was blessed with the opportunity to put together a team of people to lead process improvement initiatives all across Excellus, whether it's customer service and answering phone calls, processing claims, how did we do it better? How did we do it more efficiently? And that was really my first experience in leading teams. And it was such an amazing experience and group of people that that laid the groundwork for me to really understand um, about what teamwork was about and the role I played leading that team. Yeah, did you see did you see your gifts being used during that season in a way that like advanced advanced what the goals you were going after in a real way? Like did you see goals met that you were like, "Oh my goodness, this is I wasn't necessarily even expecting this, but it's happening." Did you experience that? Yeah, I did. And it was really around opening my eyes to new new gifts and passions that I um, felt like I had in leadership development and mm -hmm. investing in people because I was trained in a process that no one else had experience with. Um, so I was really looked upon as the person to bring that knowledge, to bring the way we were going to execute that to the team and the organization. Um, and it was an amazing opportunity because it was such a leadership opportunity that I was thrown into really at a very um, young part of my career, early stages of my career. And that really opened my eyes to how much I felt like God was using me in that season of a season of my career. Looking back yeah. in the midst of it, um, I mean, this is a common thread throughout my story. In the midst of your story, it's very difficult to see how God's using you. But looking back, um, it's just I see how every opportunity and every what I might have viewed as a misstep or going in the wrong direction, pursuing a master's in biomedical science, how God's used all of those to weave it together to get me to the place where I am right now. So let's uh, let's talk about how you ended up working for Browncroft. Um, you know, for our listeners that attend Browncroft, I, I think it's an interesting story, but also, you know, I do think that part of the risk that you took, um, you know, to come to Browncroft probably will resonate, you know, and John, I was thinking about, I just read a Harvard Business Review um, article about, you know, staying at an organization, taking risks. So this is, oh yeah, this uh, is something, you know, this is something that's, I think, on the mind of a lot of our listeners, hmm. but you know, share what was going through your head and how you ended up here. Well, after Excellus, I actually started a business with my father. Wow. So I had... Now that that's, that is an interesting story, I'm sure. <laughs> so I, I want to hear more about that one. Yeah. Well, that was really more of an opportunity. I was, I was happy um, at Excellus. And that really is kind of another theme around as I think about my career. I've never really made a change in my career or felt like God's called me to a different... Um, a different position out of um, discontent, unhappiness. I've loved everywhere I've worked and I've, I've loved everything I've done um, in those roles. Leaving Excellus was really more of an opportunity that I felt God had opened a door. Um, my father um, is an entrepreneur and has started many businesses. Um, there's been some huge benefits of that for me. Um, and as a family, there's been some huge challenges. Um, being a business owner is challenging. Um, and the, the benefit side of it is at a very young age, I was given opportunities to be a part and work in my mm -hmm. dad's business that I know has laid the groundwork for um, who I am today and the way that I work. Um, one of the things that my father I know wanted to teach me at an early age was um, the opportunities that you have by going to college and the opportunities that you might not have by not going to college. Mm -hmm. And my dad was very passionate and very... Um, 
focused on making sure I understood the differences there. So when I worked for my dad's business, I did businesses, I would start um, with the very um, laborious jobs. So I was in the factory pushing the brooms. I was doing the landscaping. I was doing those things where I know my dad wanted to show me what it took, um, how much hard work it mm. took, um, and how much opportunities you may or may not have depending on education. You probably so. really appreciated that in the moment, right? Oh, in the moment, it was you awesome. Just, yeah. <laughs> well, well, man, I just, I just can't wait to do all the yard work, right, Thanks, Dad? Well, but, but let me stop you. Um, you know, maybe someday we'll interview your sister and she can tell the rest of the story. But, um, you know, I don't think people know this about your parents. You have just a very interesting mix of your mom and dad. Hmm in you. And so why don't you kind of explain to people, because, you know, I've spent some time with Mickey and Rachel and like, I just go, huh. And so, you know, why don't you tell a little bit about how you're made? You explained your dad, but also your mom. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I know that I got, I've, uh, my dad has instilled in me the work ethic that it takes to work hard and in whatever you do, um, be working for Jesus, be working for God. Um, and that's that he's demonstrated for me over the years what it means to um, be a husband, be a father, but also be a person that um, has been very successful in his career by working hard. Um, and I know those are the traits that I carry from him today. And my mom is I'm actually probably more like my mom from a personality standpoint and um, giftings and passions. Um, but my mom has really taught me um, what the value of family um, and the importance of family. And I think that has been a true balance in my life, that understanding how important family is and how, what it takes to set those boundaries and make both a career and um, a family such an importance in your life. So um, I'm grateful and have been blessed by amazing parents that have um, modeled and shown me what it means to be a husband, a dad, and um, a person that is devoted to their career or um, working for God in that way. Yeah. Do you, now, I, I've heard people talk about this, and I think it's really fascinating because in our society, we kind of talk a lot about work-life balance. Yep. And and lately, there's this myth. I actually was reading something recently. I've, I can't remember where it was, New York Times or something, where it was basically there's this myth of work-life balance. And the article was basically saying, okay, that's a myth. Here's what you need to do. You need to pour all your your effort into your work because in the end, that's going to make you happy. Mm. It was kind of really depressing to me. Yeah. <laughs> As a parent, I was like, oh my goodness, if this is what everybody, like, so how do you internalize that in your life? Like, how, do, how does that play out for you? I do feel like um, work-life balance is a myth. Mm. And for me, I view it as integration mm. instead of boundaries and balance. Mm -hmm. Integrating your work life and your family life. Because I think, I don't think that God views the different aspects of our life any as compartmentalized. And as I've grown in my faith and grown in my desire to be used by God, that's not just at home and that's not just at work, but it's integrated in all aspects of what I do and where I am. So for me, work-life balance has been integration. And by integration, I mean having my family as part of my 
professional journey. Mm. Um, and that happens in simple ways. That happens with my son and daughter being part of serving at the church right now. Um, that's part of our family serving together and leading together. Um, I know my kids, especially Max, feels more like um, he's part of this church and his job is leading this church through me. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have some great conversations at home around the work that I do. But I I do think it's a mistake to try and compartmentalize and try to, quote unquote, balance mm. um, work life and family life. I've just enjoyed the journey of my career with my family versus um, separate from my family and um, not integrated in that way. And I think there's just there's just been some great ways that we've done it as a family. And I haven't viewed my career as something separate from my family. They're part of this journey with me. But Shannon has her own job on she the does. side, too. She does. Right? She's got a little side job. Yeah, she's got a little side job, which is? <laughs> she's a physician. Yeah. So that's that's quite a bit of time and energy as well. So It is. And what what really Shannon brings to our family is a level of organization and structure that allows us to um, be a family and at the same time pursue um, careers or be used by God professionally in different ways. And we work really well as a team. Um, Peter and I were just talking about this recently. Um, we started, we met as a team. We met as lab partners. We met focused on our careers um, through academics at Barry University. And I've seen that thread continue throughout my entire life um, with her. And that's where I talk about where we were talking about the balance or the myth of balance. It's really, we function together as a team, both serving at Browncroft, which eventually opened the door to me being employed at Browncroft. We've done it together. And we've always considered our ourselves a team, um, both professionally and um, in the way we're leading our family. Well, let's, um, you know, I've already hinted to it. How did you, how'd you get at Browncroft? So the way I got to Browncroft was just an amazing opportunity. Um, Shannon and I um, started coming to Browncroft with a desire to um, find a great children's program to help us parent our kids well. Um, and we found that at Browncroft. I had the opportunity to volunteer and just get more involved. And then um, through what was, I think, a rare opportunity as a volunteer, I got the chance to go to a national conference in Atlanta focused on next generation and focused on family ministry. And it was at that conference that really for the first time, God opened my eyes to possibly being involved in ministry. And it wasn't it wasn't a bright light. I didn't hear God's voice, but what I saw there resonated with me so deeply that I knew I had to at least take the next step. Because what I saw there were thousands of people that had committed their life um, professionally to investing in the next generation. The passion that I saw, the excellence that I saw was something that resonated with me because honestly, my experience within ministry, um, just as a as a person, as a kid who grew up in the church, excellence wasn't a word that I described my church experience. So for me, excellence is so ingrained in who I am. I always felt like that might be a compromise being in ministry, and it wasn't something I wanted to compromise. God showed me in that moment at that conference that, no, excellence is what we're all about, and excellence in the church is important to me. Um, And so that just opened my eyes to that opportunity. I came back from that conference. I remember the night Shannon and I were in the hotel having a conversation, and I said, I don't know what this is all about, but I just feel like 
there's something here. There's something that I need to explore. And we talked about it and we weren't sure what that was going to be. Um, I came back and really um, just told um, the director of children's ministry at the time, I just want to be more involved here. I just felt like God saying to me, take one step, take one step deeper. So I had the opportunity to give more time to volunteering here at Browncroft. I was here one day a week, just looking for things to do and looking for opportunities. What'd you do that one day a week? I did a lot. We um, um, focused a lot on information technology here, and um, that was a skill set that I had developed kind of in the transition between going to business school and finishing my biomedical degree. So I did a number of things around helping processes here at Browncroft, um, utilizing technology, um, renovating a large group space. Um, that recently was just re-renovated. So 10 years ago, um, Shannon and I worked um, really hard to renovate um, the large group space for our children's programs. So there were a number of things. And it was at that moment that I felt God using my skills and gifts in the church that I didn't even think were things that the church needed, Mm. honestly. Yeah. So what you're describing is kind of this one step forward, yeah. not huge leaps. I think sometimes we we kind of can freak ourselves out, you know, by by thinking like, oh, I got to make this huge leap into this next thing. And um, what you're describing, at least for from your process, is like, well, I took one step forward that led to the next step that led to the next step. Yep. And eventually I find myself, oh my God, I'm, I'm, how did I get here? How did I get here? Right. Is that, is that your experience? Absolutely. That's been my experience. I would not have been able to plan or this is not my goal for my career. And um, I've never operated in that way where I have this long-term vision of where I want to be. I've really operated with how can I use my gifts and passions and talents for God? Mm-hmm. And trusting him enough that financial security is important. We work because we need um, financial security, but trusting in God to provide that um, in a way that allows me to do what I love and do what I want to do. Mm -hmm. And that is really how I've operated by just taking that next step of obedience. And really even coming back from that conference, it wasn't here, here's an opportunity. You're the you're employed here at Browncroft. It was much more a winding road. God opened up a door where the director of children's ministry at the time was stepping back and they were looking for, they were searching for a new children's director. Um, I felt at that time the one of the most um, confident that I've ever been that God wanted me to apply for that position. Um, in my mind, I'm a very logical thinker. One plus one has to make Two, in my mind, Mm -hmm. there's no variation from that. Um, I knew I wasn't going to get the position. I didn't understand it. I knew what they were looking for. I knew that they were searching nationally for a person to come in and fill this role. But I just felt with certainty God saying, just apply. That's your next step of obedience and let me take care of it. Mm -hmm. So I did apply and I didn't get the position. Mm -hmm. So in a sense, I was affirmed in (laughs) in my logical, knowledgeable thinking. Hey, you were right. You're not the right person for the job. So that was that was my first step of obedience there that eventually led me to be coming here to Browncroft. So tell us about I'm going to call it the one year contract. Um, you know, tell us the story of kind of, you know, the the person that got the job ended up stepping down. There's a transition. Right. And basically, I mean, we're going to call him, you know, you're you're our uh you're our Frank Gore, you know, the Buffalo, but <laughs> one year contract, you know, tell, tell us about what sage I, being brought in. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, so I had the opportunity um, after I w- did not get that position. They had hired someone that they were bringing in. I actually had the opportunity to come on staff for the summer between the current children's director leaving to the new children's director coming on. So I was on staff kind of filling that gap. Mm-hmm. I was helping with the transition and I was helping um, to really just work with the team during that time. So I did that um, and it was a great opportunity. It's just It, it just shows me God uses everything. God uses every opportunity. And it was through that opportunity that I met the team, the team that I'm currently still serving with many of them, a number of them. And this was 10 years ago. Um, I had the opportunity to meet our senior pastor, um, Rob, and I'd never met him before. So God used that time on staff for me to build some relationships that would really come back within the next six to nine months as a new opportunity and a new door that was opened. So the children's director that was brought here um, within nine months, um, it wasn't a great fit. It wasn't a great fit for her. It wasn't a great fit for this church. Um, And I was approached by our senior pastor, um, Rob, and he just said, "Um, we're in a tough spot right now. Um, And I know you applied for this position. I learned that you applied for this position over the course of the summer that I was on staff. And he said, I would would love to invite you to just come in as interim children's director, help us fill the void, fill the gap. Um, Is this something that you'd be willing to do? Um, And I, in my mind was, of course, I jumped at it. And I didn't think twice about it because I really just felt, wow, this is interesting. This is the door that God's opened in his timing, not when I thought it might be open. Mm. Were you, so you just shared that you were excited, but was it hard? Like I have one year make or break, or were you kind of like this year either is going to go well or it's going to go terrible. I mean, what were you feeling? I honestly didn't feel that pressure around that because I honestly just felt like God had opened up this door and all I was going to do was work as hard as I could um, and trust in him to fill the gaps. Because at this point, this was one of the big realizations in my professional career. When I said before, I'm a very prepared person, I always felt like I needed a degree. This was the first time in my career that I didn't have a degree. Mm -hmm. I didn't have an education in what I was being called to do. And I really felt for the first time, God said, that's how, where I want you. And that's going to force you to lean into me more. That's going to draw you closer to me and really let you realize that it's not about all your hard work. It's not about everything that you've done. I didn't call you because you're, um, um, have a master's in divinity or have been trained. I've called you because you're the person that I want you to use uh, to use in this role. And so for me, that was totally different. I walked into an environment where I felt unprepared, but it changed my faith and it changed my relationship with God in such a powerful way um, that I'm really a different person from that point. Wow. So, so here's the deal. And uh, I know people that study to become children's pastors um, and no knock, they're more practitioners, like they do puppets, they're, you know, like flannel graph. I'm going back to the day there. I think we move back, uh, you know, we move to uh, iPads and right. screens. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Um, you know, my daughter Haley loves seeing you, but I wouldn't necessarily say you're like – give me all the babies or, you know, <laughs> have all the seven. And like, you know, so I mean, how did you have to like, you're like, I'm passionate about family ministry. I'm passionate about the next generation, 
my gifting is more strategy. I mean, how did you navigate that? Yeah, that's a great question. And really how I navigated it was I leaned into what I believed were my gifts and my strengths. And I didn't try to be um, the picture of a children's pastor, or I didn't try to be the person that I felt other people expected me to be. All I did was lean into my gifts and my gifts and my strengths and my passions. And I think through that time as children's director and then family ministry director, director God used that. God challenged me to um, step outside my comfort zone every day, but he really used what I was good at and what I was passionate at to make a difference and advance his purposes. And so, like I said, I didn't try to be what I thought a, a children's pastor was. I just recognized, hey, God, this is what I'm good at. You gave me this opportunity. You're going to fill in the gaps. I just worked really hard on um, doing what I felt I could do well. Yeah. And and at some point, so, you know, to kind of put a bow for now, who knows what's next, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like that's kind of the story of your life. Yep. And story Pope, of, you yep. know, Pope, Pope, <laughs> shit, something yeah. like that, probably. So, but, but right now you're executive pastor. That's a big leap from, you know, family ministry to that role. Right. How did that, how did you go? Okay, well now I'm in this one. Yeah, when I when I became and to Pete's point, when I became children's pastor, I didn't feel like I was prototypical children's pastor. And I didn't feel like my gifts and strengths and talents were perfectly aligned with that role. God used it and God used it in a powerful way. But when I thought about the church and I discovered really in a larger organization like a church, what an executive pastor does, I truly felt like those were the skills and those were the passions that aligned most perfectly in the church. Hmm. Um, All at the same time, I was never striving to be the executive pastor. That wasn't a goal I set for myself. Um, But I understood that what an executive pastor is being called to do to um, really advance the vision through strategic planning, build leaders, develop people. Um, Those were my passions, circling all the way back to where we started this conversation. I knew that's what executive pastors typically do in a church. And I felt like, and I feel like now that's where God's using those gifts that he's developed and honed and really sharpened through many different roles, um, landed on a place where I feel like I'm using them uh, most effectively for him. So what's your greatest challenge right now in your role, kind of thinking career change? And then what do you think is has been your greatest opportunity or area of excitement? I'll start with the opportunity of area of excitement. I'm just super excited about what God's doing here at Browncroft. I'm super excited about um, the staff that he's put together, um, the congregation and the people that I get to work with, uh, both on staff and as volunteers. I think God's doing amazing things at Browncroft and the work that we've done, that he's done through us over the past three years through the REACH initiative really just lays the foundation for where we're going, and I'm excited about it. Um, The biggest challenge, honestly, is just holding it all together. Um, There's a lot of balls in the air. There's a lot of things to juggle and manage um, at an executive pastor role that um, was not present in family ministry where I could be more focused and more, um, yeah, just more focused on one specific area. So it's the challenges of managing my time well. It's It's the challenge of investing in more leaders and developing more leaders um, that to me right now is the biggest challenge. You know, it's it's funny as you bring that up. I can imagine a lot of our listeners, John, mm. thinking like, 
I totally want God or whether they believe God or not. I, I want that presence to give me that job. Mm. And we don't always talk about like the other side of that. Right. There's more challenges and difficulty. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's something that you're highlighting too. And the, in the, in your journey is like, it isn't always an easy road and there's sometimes really tough parts to every job as well. And having a sense that you're where you're called to be, I think is super important. At least that's the theme that I'm picking up as you're talking, that it's like just knowing I'm where God wanted me to be allowed you to get through some of those tougher points. Absolutely, because what I had mentioned earlier, I've never really been discontent mm. with a position or work that I'm doing, but to be aligned and have a feeling of this is where God wants me to be, this is where I'm best using my gifts and talents, and the purpose that I'm working for, the purpose of expanding the kingdom, inviting people into a relationship with Jesus, helping people understand who God's created them to be, really does help you get through the challenging aspects of the role. And we all have them. There's right. all those things we don't love doing. Um, but it's it's that that when I can go home at night and say, this is where God wants me to be, mm -hmm. um, it just fills, fills me with that purpose and that, um, that focus. So let's imagine, um, just off the top of your head, we're writing a BuzzFeed article, and it's seven, seven or eight things that, you know, I should consider a job change. And imagine we're sitting with a 24-year-old friend here. They're an entry-level job. You know, they're kind of the prototypical Mike Pitts where they're just starting to figure out their gifts and then even starting to figure out their gifts and talents. Like, can I actually get paid for this mm -hmm. versus... Like, do I need to have a job that pays me? Maybe it's not everything I want. You know, how, what would be some things that you'd be like, hey, here's a few things that you should be thinking about a career change with? Yeah, I would say even in that question, I never thought about pursuing a career change. In any of the positions I was in, I was never about what's next. I was never about, hey, I need to get out of here. Hey, I need to move on. Really, I was trying to be faithful and obedient where God had called me. And I was using my skills and my gifts um, where I where I believed to be him to be calling me. Now, God opened doors and created opportunities, and God created at times um, maybe misalignment with the work that I was doing with my passion that really caused me to, to just question. And I think it's those things that um, it was it was not about running away from something, but really for me running toward something that felt like God was directing me. So I would caution anyone when they think about their career or think about what they're looking for um, to be overly focused on, hey, what's the next step? It's really for me about understanding who you are, how you're being used in that role, we talked about earlier surrounding yourself with people that know you, surrounding yourself with people that God can use to speak into your life, and those doors of opportunity will open. And they don't always open and are as clear as you might think, just like some doors that were closed on me that I thought for sure, hey, this is it, God, I'm super excited, this is the point, and then all of a sudden the door closes. It just wasn't in his timing, and really... To me, that was all about um, a, a test and God saying to me, were you obedient? Were you faithful in this? Testing me in that. And can I trust him with that next step? And do I trust him? So I'm going to push back a little bit because yeah. I think people can hear your story and be like, well, Mike, you've always had something that you've loved about your current consistent job. But I'm going to come back to 
let's say God opened the door for you to become a researcher. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden for a year, you're sitting behind a computer and like, you just told me that your number one strength is being like a relator. You know, what would have you told yourself if like, holy cow, I just did another blood report, but I haven't <laughs> talked to anybody for like five days. Like I, I can imagine it's a little different for someone that's like, I don't feel like this job is gifting a lot. It's not saying quit tomorrow and it's not necessarily looking towards the future, but like, Hey, I've got to either not, I'm always going to stay faithful and do the best job that I can, but I've got to start thinking about like what I thought freshman year of college is not true of what I'm, how would you help that person? Well, I would say for me, it's about finding opportunities where God might open those doors. So mm -hmm. my opportunity to be a part of Browncroft staff didn't happen because of my professional career. It didn't mm -hmm. happen because I, op I owned a business with my father. It happened because I was volunteering. Mm -hmm. I was serving. And I was serving in an area where God said, hey, this is going to be one step in your, in your path to opening that door. So I think all of us um, have opportunities and have time. We're very busy. Um, we don't feel like we often have time. We have time to explore other options and passions from a volunteer perspective. And yes, you might not get paid for it, but God might use that as a way to either refine a gift, strengthen a skill, or open a door. So I wouldn't restrict myself to, hey, what am I doing professionally, God? Mm. And I'm, I was more thinking about, um, I want to be a part of something that maybe an opportunity might open up. So you're saying like, even if you did get that research job, like probably what would have helped if you felt stuck was I'm going to volunteer here, do that. That's kind of what Absolutely. you're saying. Okay. Absolutely. There's ways to fulfill that purpose and passion and gifting that may be for a season outside of what you're paid for. Mm -hmm. And that's where I've just really felt... Um, in my life, that's where the trust comes in. That's where I have to trust God to say he's going to provide for me financially. That doesn't give me the freedom to make poor choices and bad decisions, but that does give me the freedom to pursue and take a risk on something that I've been being called to be obedient to that I may not consider if I'm so focused on I'm the person providing for me financially. No, I look to, to God to provide that. Wow. Wow. Such golden nuggets of wisdom in there, Mike. Thanks for sharing that with us, man. And, you know, Peter and I, we like to close each of these podcasts with with answering the question, what would Jesus say about this topic? So we'll let you have some time to simmer on it, stew on it. You, you've certainly given us a lot of feedback about he, that. He's probably got three points already. I, he probably does. <laughs> he's, yeah. Can, can we can we give him the most prepared guest? I, I think we could give him the most prepared <laughs> guest award, or at least one of the most prepared guest awards. Yeah, that's... that's no offense great. to our other 38 guests yeah, or whoever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How many? But anyways. Yeah, that, so we'll give you some time. Stew on that for a bit. Peter and I, you know, we're the least prepared host, so we'll just we'll just you know shoot straight with what we think about we're, as we're sitting. We're not there. least prepared. Well, we, we use the Buzz Lightyear principle. We don't fly. We follow style. That's true. We do. So, Peter, you want to go first on this one? What does Jesus say about this topic? What do you think? So, you know, just based on Mike's last point, um, there's some things that you can do that are low risk, high reward. And I, I think about what Jesus says if, um, man, I'm going to be like the worst pastor right now. Whoever wants to, there we go. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life mm -hmm. um, will say, save it. And 
you know, I wonder about that. Um, you know, Rob in our current sermon series, um, he's like, stop taking yourself so seriously. You know, and I wonder if in some degree, you know, whether you're a 24 year old that you feel like you're at a dead end job or you're at a starter job and you're trying to figure like what would happen if you just held your career looser and just said, you know what, I'm going to be here. I'm going to work hard. There might be some other areas. And, you know, I'm sure that there's people and it's not just sometimes you're in a job, you love what you do, but there's politics, there's like a boss that you disagree with and, and there's things like that. And I'm wondering if in some areas, number one, on the personal level, what part of you is still trying to hold on to your life versus Jesus saying, hey, you know what? You might work 40 hours a week and it might drain you, but I have so much more. And I wonder if God puts us in those seasons so that our career doesn't become the most important thing. Mm. But I love what Mike said. It, it integrates into what God's doing in us. Yeah. Those are real... Really good words. I, I think, you know, just so happens, so to speak, that I was just reading this morning uh, in the Bible about Jesus calling the first disciples. And Peter, James, John, they were these fishermen, right? And Jesus just interacts with them and he shows them his power in their lives in a way that they can really grasp. They can get it. All of a sudden they're like, oh my goodness, I don't even deserve to be around this guy. How does he do it? He says, here's a mother load of fish. And they go, oh my goodness, we don't deserve to be around him. And then Jesus flips the script and he says, it's okay. From now on, I'm going to make you fishers of people, like rather than just fishing out here for, and they left everything in that spot and followed him because I don't think it was because Jesus was like trying to manipulate them as much as they saw that what Jesus had for them was way better than what they had for themselves. Mm. Jesus provision in their lives was way better than anything they could come up with on their own. And so I think that's an important thing to hold in tension here because I, uh, some of us, you know, who may or may not be following Jesus kind of can have this, this image of him that Jesus doesn't want what's best for me. Jesus mm. wants me to suffer. And if I follow Jesus, that means I'm going to suffer. Well, okay. There is a part of following Jesus that we need to be ready to do that. But his ultimate goal is to bring us life and to have it to the full. And he, and that life is found in him. And uh, I think that's important in this whole idea of career is that um, when you're following him, that's when your life is the fullest. Mm. So I don't know. That's how I would take that. But Mike. Clean up our mess. Well, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Clean up our mess. No, that's great. Um, I guess I would say, as I think about that question, what would Jesus say? Um, I would say Jesus would say, stop calling it my career mm. Mm. and start viewing your career as a platform for me to do my work through you. And I think that's been the biggest um, eye-opening experience for me is view your career as an opportunity for God to fulfill his purposes through you. And I think to your point, John, when that's happening, the purpose, the fulfillment, the joy that you get out of that far exceeds anything that you can do mm -hmm. on your own. So that that's what I believe Jesus would be saying about our careers and how we view the work that we get paid for. Wow, that is a good 
word to end on, don't forget to check us out at whygodwhypodcast.com. I also want to encourage you, there's a listener survey and also a place that you can subscribe. We are sending weekly emails to uh, let you know about these episodes. And uh, remember, sharing is caring. We are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And um, Are we on MySpace? You know, I would, you yeah. know, do you remember Zanga? Uh, no. Zanga. Wow. I used to use Zanga. That's cool. Anyways, are we on AIM Instant Messenger? Yeah, we are showing our age right now. <laughs> um, but anyways, um, as John would say, leave us a review with your honest opinion. As I would say, leave us a five-star review. It helps other <laughs> listeners find us, um, whichever one you feel most comfortable with. But we will take the five stars if you give it to us. <laughs> Absolutely. We hope that you have a wonderful day. And uh, thank you so much for joining us in this podcast. Yeah.